0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be seated. The king didn't care about the money. He cared about his servant. The servant didn't care about his fellow servant. All he cared about was the money. Therefore, they both did what they did. What you do comes from where your heart is. And with this parable today, Jesus is teaching us where the Father's heart is. It is with us. Servants with a debt we cannot repay. Jesus told this parable in response to a question from Peter, which was itself in response to Jesus' teaching about forgiveness that we heard last week. That sin is serious, but forgiveness is greater. Peter always takes Jesus' teaching to heart. He doesn't always understand it correctly, but he takes it to heart. And he does here. Jesus teaches about forgiveness, and Peter cares. He wants to know more. So he asked Jesus, How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And as some of you know, he is being rather generous with that question, for the going rate for forgiveness among the rabbis was three. Forgive your brother or sister three times, and after that you're off the hook. So by more than doubling that, Peter was being quite, well, he thought, Christ-like. So imagine his surprise when Jesus completely zorches that thinking. I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And for you math whizzes out there, yes, that makes 490. But what Jesus means by that number is this. How often do you forgive? Well, as often as your brother or sister needs it. Multiples of multiples of multiple times, even per day, if necessary. Now, we're not told what Peter's reaction was to that. I wonder if his jaw dropped open or if he stood there in silence for a moment before Jesus then told him this parable to help him. To help him understand more about God's forgiveness. And not just how big it is, but why it is. And you heard the parable, I'm not going to repeat it. But a servant was brought in who owed more than he could pay. Much more, far more. For the size of this debt if computed in today's dollars was far more than simply like maxing out your credit cards. It was more like the size of a national debt. Which is absurd that one person could owe so much, but this is not a par- this is a parable, not a historical account. Jesus is making a point by using such an absurdly large number. And the point is not just about the abundance of God's forgiveness. It is that, more abundant than we could ever imagine. But why? Why would the king forgive such a large debt that would impact him so greatly? Why? And the answer is what I said at the beginning of this sermon. It wasn't about the money. It was never about the money. He didn't care about the money. He cared about his servant. And so he set his servant free. Now, if he had cared about the money, he would have acted, well, like the servant then did. This newly debt-free, carefree servant who went out and cared not about his fellow servant... Because for him, it was all about the money. So no patience, no forgiveness, no love. Put him in prison until he should pay the debt. The king didn't care about the money. He cared about his service. The servant did not care about his fellow servant. All he cared about was the money. Therefore, they both did what they did. What you do comes from where your heart is. This is the father's heart. So Peter, where is your heart? What do you care about? What is most important? How often do I have to forgive? If it's all about you and what is owed you, whether that debt is money or pride or honor or whatever, you'll answer one way. But if it's about your neighbor and his need, You'll answer another way. You'll answer a very different way. As Jesus did. Who came to set you free. So where is your heart? Is it on your stuff? On yourself? Your pride? What you have or want to have? Or is it on your neighbor? If we refuse to forgive, why is that? And with this parable, Jesus would have us know if we refuse to forgive, we're only hurting ourselves. We are loving and serving the idols in our hearts. Instead of loving and serving God and our neighbor and as we heard, that's never going to end well. And then we heard the story of Joseph today as well. A story of remarkable forgiveness. His brothers sold him into slavery when he was young. He was taken to Egypt. He lived in this strange country with a strange language and strange gods and strange ways. At times as a slave, at times languishing in prison. But God finally raised him up to power in Egypt until he was second in command just below Pharaoh so when his rascally brothers came before him he could have done anything he wanted to them anything and few would have criticized or condemned him for whatever he did they had it coming so what Did he want to do to them? Forgive them. From the moment he set eyes on them, everything he did was for this one purpose to forgive them. To forgive a debt, the stealing of a good portion of his life that he could never get back, that they could never repay. And when his brothers, like Peter, didn't understand this kind of forgiveness, Joseph spoke these marvelous words of wisdom. Am I in the place of God? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, what did Joseph mean when he said, am I in the place of God? Because some at that time and in that place in Egypt would have said, Yes, Joseph, yes you are. If Pharaoh was considered a god, then the second in command was not far from it. But to forgive or not to forgive was not up to Joseph. What he is saying here is that he doesn't get to decide who gets forgiven and who doesn't. He is to forgive. And how that then turns out is above the pay grade of even the second in command of all Egypt. Am I in the place of God? If he was, that would mean death. Death for sin. That's what God decreed. The wages of sin is death. But God decreed something else as well. That he... The king, the king of kings, the king of the universe and all creation would die that death for his servants, for all of them. No one excluded the death of the cross for the freedom and life of the world, for the debt we all owe that we cannot pay. Now, God could have thrown us into prison, into hell for non-payment, and he would be above reproach for doing that or whatever else he chose to do. Or, he could set us free by paying our debt himself. So what would God do? He would do... What is in his heart. He would die. So you could live. He would be the captive. That you be set free. He would suffer. To give you joy. So that every time you pray. Lord have mercy. Mercy you receive. Every time you pray for forgiveness. Forgiveness you receive. And as the catechism teaches us. Where there is forgiveness of sin. There is also life and salvation. Imagine how astonished that servant must have been to hear those words of forgiveness and relief from his king. How astonished Joseph's brothers that their brother didn't hold a grudge or exact revenge. How astonished Peter must have been. How about you? Maybe we take those words for granted, right? We hear them every Sunday. I forgive you all your sins. Maybe some of you hear them more often than that. But don't. Don't take them for granted. Realize what they mean and the sacrifice behind them. Realize the debt that you've been forgiven that is greater than 70 times 7 national debts. And that you really are and if you've been given that, that's in your heart, what do you think you will do? God calls us to repentance, like with the servant in this parable, not because he wants us to pay him back, but because he wants to forgive Because he wants us to be gracious and loving and forgiving as he is. That's what's in his heart. And it gives him joy. In the parable, we're not told how the forgiven servant felt or what the king felt. We're just told the facts. But how could the servant not have been overjoyed? And how could the king not have found joy in his servant's joy. But that's also why the king found grief in his servant's wickedness. When the idol of greed in his heart consumed the joy of his forgiveness. that he wanted, the, the joy that he wanted for his servant. Because that's what idols do. That's what false gods do. They consume. They eat you up. They don't give. They just take. They take our joy. They take our contentment. They take your life. They did for the servant in the parable who left the king's presence with joy, but was quickly consumed with rage. And this is what makes them so dangerous for us as well. It's only seven times, Peter. Why only seven? Why not more? Capital One asks, what's in your wallet? Today, this parable far more importantly asks, what's in your heart? And the answer is yes, all kinds of sin and vice and ugly stuff, wicked servant stuff. But for us Christians, not only that, but the life and love and forgiveness of Jesus that has been poured on you and poured into you in baptism that you have had proclaimed into your ears that you have read with your eyes. And here it is for you to eat and to drink so that what is in Jesus's heart is now also in your heart as a born again, born from above, child of God a child of God who wants to forgive, who loves to forgive, who rejoices to forgive so if you find yourself starting to think like Peter and wanting to limit forgiveness or acting like the wicked servant and demanding repayment of sin against you repent of that don't let your idols win. Repent and receive the mercy and forgiveness from Jesus you need. Life-altering mercy and forgiveness that sets you free from those idols that want to live in your heart and consume you. That sets you free for the love of Christ to control you instead. And with such freedom... Life, and with such life, joy. Today, Christy will receive that life-altering body and blood of Jesus with us. The life and love of forgiveness, and the forgiveness of Jesus that has already been poured on her and poured into her in baptism, that she has been proclaimed into her ears, that she has read with her eyes, and now it will be placed also into her mouth. She will take her place side by side with us, with Peter, with Joseph's brothers, and with servants everywhere to receive what we need, an abundance of gifts. Gifts she needs and will need to strengthen her in the faith. And gifts Jesus loves to give. Gifts He died to provide. Gifts He rose to provide. Gifts He wants to give to you and not only once or twice or seven times or seventy times, seven times, and not just for a lifetime, but gifts for eternity. For eternal life and joy with Him. For that is what is in your Father's heart. And now... Your heart, too. Amazing, astonishing love from the Father for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.